0: Hello, and welcome to What the Denmark? The show that explains things that seem peculiar as an outsider in Denmark. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Josefine. Each episode, we'll discuss a new topic, talk to experts, and try to understand why something so normal in Denmark is confusing to foreigners. Despite living abroad for many years, I'll be giving the inside view of Danish culture.
0: And as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally from the UK, and so we'll be giving the outsider view of the country. Our ultimate goal is to resolve cultural confusion in Denmark. This show is just one part of that mission, and so stick around to the end to hear about how you too can be involved. This week, we're talking about Danes in the workplace. A common thing people hear about Denmark is the flat hierarchies.
1: Walk into a meeting room and you can't spot who the boss is. CEOs and interns cycle to work together and everyone is expected to contribute to conversations. In cultural theory, this is known as having a low power distance.
0: We discuss the roots of this workplace egalitarianism compared to say, Southern Europe or East Asian cultures that are much more hierarchical.
1: We talked with management author Chris Schoen about the pros and cons of the lower power distance in both business and broader society.
0: Nico Blier silvestri a French manager who has worked in Copenhagen and around the world for many years.
1: And Josefina Bulls a Danish architect who had some interesting anecdotes from her time working in Japan.
0: Keep listening to learn how the Danish slash Nordic management style is perceived internationally.
1: What outsiders find difficult about this management style.
0: Tips for non-Danes and Danes to integrate.
1: And why our guests think Danish style is something the whole world needs to start adopting in the future. First, let's meet the two main guests we had in making this episode.
2: My name is Chris Schoen. I'm the managing director of the IME Foundation and uh, the Henley Business School in the
3: Nordics. My name is uh, Nico, Uh, I'm French, and uh, I've been lucky enough for the past eight years to be able to work in the startup community in Copenhagen.
0: When I spoke with both Chris and Nico, I asked them to explain how the management style in Denmark differs from elsewhere. Both of them gravitated to this idea of trust as Chris describes. The
2: foundations of that is,
0: is, is trust.
2: You don't you know build a flat hierarchical organization if you don't have trust in your corporate culture. So it is many elements, but as a foundation, and that's also what we see in the, in the Danish society, in the Scandinavian, Nordic societies, is there's a high level of trust mm. in society.
1: We then began exploring what trust means in practice. I trust that, um, A, number one, you can do your job,
3: but I trust that uh, I can communicate with you. And, uh, and of course, I'm not the one that's in a position of power to take the decision. I'm still allowed to voice my opinion. And again, from personal experience, working outside of Denmark in many, many countries, many places, that's not
0: what you see a lot. Finico, this fittingly, began when he was at Pilots, a company in Denmark in 2012. The company had 30 employees and needed to professionalise how they hired.
1: Nico saw the job advert, called the CEO, went for a coffee that afternoon and started the next day. Despite this.
3: I think the big learning curve was uh, the 100% trust from the start. Like you come in, we trust you. I mean, we hired you, we trust you to do something.
0: He acknowledges that he was working with a startup that are already flat organizations and can make quick decisions. But nevertheless, this sense of trust was a shock.
3: It's both empowering and, and very scary. Yeah. Right when when you come from a from a very structured environment, it's both empowering because like the French ego kicks in and saying, oh, "Of course you trust me. I'm good at this. I can yeah. do it." And it's uh, it's both scary, saying like, "Okay, now I, I actually need to make it happen." I think this is the very positive thing about trust: is that okay, you trust me? I want to not disappoint you.
0: Seriously, what, what do you think about this? So trust from the beginning.
1: Yeah, of course I take trust from the beginning for granted because I have grown up in Denmark, and so I would expect that uh, since I was very young. My parents expected that I would do the right thing because there is that trust-based culture. So for me, it wouldn't be scary to go into an an environment like that. However, I would be very careful what I promise in an interview situation. And I suppose I have experienced being overwhelmed by a task, Mm. but not by what I was entrusted. How about you?
0: So just quick, how do you mean, like, to not be overwhelmed by being entrusted what does that mean
1: yeah one thing is that people expect you to do your very best another thing is are you able to do what's required Mm. of you and i think they're two different things and i think that maybe that is what people coming to denmark connect to closely because i think of course if you promise too much and you're not able to deliver then you have an issue but you would have had an issue either way but um trust is a different thing. It's people trusting that you will do your very best Mm. and that you will own your project.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had work experience or like times working somewhere where, you know, there's that initial, okay, I still need to kind of feel you out a bit and I'm not going to, for example, allow you to send this email. Every time you do something, I'm going to have to check it or, you know, I'll then start chatting to colleagues and it turns out that the boss has spoke to the colleagues about me and it kind of, yeah, it's a bit, I don't want to say belittling. You feel a bit more uncomfortable about it. The, the flip side of it is if I'm just told, okay, we trust you, we'll leave you to it. I sometimes feel that's not supportive enough. And it's like, you're kind of just leaving me to it. And actually I want to sort of speak with you a bit more and I want you to be a bit more involved.
1: But that's about management, isn't it? Yeah. So one thing is that you trust people, but you still need to ping pong ideas with them. And you also need to make sure that you guide them where it's needed. But I think that's what's so interesting about Danish culture. As a manager, you expect your employee to come to you if you have a question or if you feel that there's some challenges that you can't handle alone. And that's also a trust in you as coming forward, um, also in terms of your weakness, in terms of skills and saying, I am concerned with this part of the project. I don't know what to do. Can we have a brainstorm?
0: Next, we started discussing how this idea of trust and having a low power structure, essentially treating everyone more or less equally rather than a strict hierarchy, can be confusing for those not used to being in the Danish culture.
1: The first thing both Chris and Nico talked about was junior people being included in the conversation.
0: You
2: see it throughout, you know, a collaborative approach to say, to work, to decision making, to organizing. I mean, I remember one of the very first times that I came to Stockholm and was at head, head office and I was involved in some very, very high level negotiations between the two companies. And I was a trainee, so I was just observing. I was just kind of following the vice president around observing. And I took a break in the negotiations and the negotiation team, they were discussing amongst themselves and the head of it looks at me and says, Chris, what do you think? And I, yeah, I was just shocked, you know, I must have said something absolutely <laughs> absurd. But I mean, he looked at me mm-hmm. and he was genuinely interested in what I thought.
0: You then contrast this with when he was in Italy. Mm. I
2: remember having my team in, in Milan and I would, when well, we had, you know, the big boss came down from, from Denmark or from, from Sweden and, and for a business review, and I would spend a couple of weeks, you know, almost coaching them, not on what to say, but I said, you've got to say something challenge them. You Mm. have to challenge the boss. Don't just sit there and accept what he or she says.
1: Amazing. I I think that was really cool. Because actually, what he's pointing out is that you as a junior, in many countries abroad, are not expected to chip in with your knowledge and opinion. And that was something that really came as a surprise to me when I worked in the UK. Um, And actually it took me a long time to realize that people didn't expect me to say something in meetings. Do
0: you remember a particular meeting when when this happened?
1: I remember all the meetings because I would be the only junior one actually chipping in with knowledge and saying what I think that the agenda should be and what I think we should do. Because Danish culture is if you are in a meeting, you are there to chip in with knowledge because otherwise, why are you attending? Then we're wasting time. You are there to provide knowledge and to help make decisions. Mm. And that's whether you're junior or senior. And so we think that the more people come to the table, the more you can create, the more ideas you get in.
0: Uh, how, did you, how did your bosses re- respond to this? Were they like, this josephine has got a bit of gumption? Or, or were they like, he brought this girl? <laughs> I think both. I <laughs> okay. think
1: some bosses felt very provoked by this. They mm. thought, who is she to sit here saying all of that? And I had no idea. I was oblivious to it because it was so ingrained in my culture that if I'm in a meeting, of course I chip in, otherwise I shouldn't be there. Yeah. In fact, it would be rude not to come prepared and have some ideas. Yeah. And um, I think other bosses, they were like, wow, someone who dares to speak up. Obviously, I was working in a media news environment, mm. so it was already expected that you had some ideas and yeah. that you spoke up and you knew about politics and you were dedicated to, to trying to uh, communicate the world. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it, was, it was half-half. I think some were very provoked by my approach.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: And I first realized coming back to Denmark, because I felt at one point, I felt quite abnormal. I realized that I wasn't quite fitting in Mm. And then I came back to Denmark and I realized that all of the things that I'd felt and struggled with was my cultural background. Yeah. And that's how people who come into Denmark feel now. Mm. And I'm very aware of that. So I've had uh, both Americans and Danes and Italians and people from all over working on my team. And they react very different in meeting situations. And just working with them, they have different skills. They bring different things to the team but they react very differently because of their cultural background. I've found the Americans are extremely service-minded. They really want to be there to help you um, being the boss, but they would not chip in at meetings. And that's not because they're not knowledgeable and creative. It's because of the uh, structures that they're used to.
0: I mean, is it sort of a sense of not wanting to step on your toes, do you think, or is it that they don't want to make you look bad? Or what what is it do you think which means they don't necessarily come forward with all of their ideas?
1: Well, I think it's exactly what Nico and and Chris are mentioning in their interviews that basically, you are not expected to chip in if you're junior, Mm -hmm. that's for the bosses to take the lead and to say this is the way we're going. Um, And then you follow and you make sure that you support them and bring in your knowledge and skills in -hmm. order to reach that goal. And that's fantastic. It's very easy to manage people like that. I I love Americans and I love the fact that they're service minded and they always say yes and will do. Um, Whereas the Danes on my team would be like, but why are we doing that?
0: Which brings us uh, to the second point, Josephine, which is the way that Danish teams argue or rather engage in positive conflicts. Uh, Nico explains how this is something he feels countries like the UK really struggle with.
3: a lot of us Mm -hmm. we've learned that uh, your boss is right all the time Mm -hmm. and you should always agree if you want to move forward in your career you should never ever question your boss which is absolutely not the case here yeah i mean it's 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 a lot what i like with with working in denmark and working with danes is that i like to call it positive conflict
0: it runs through to what in other cultures might be seen as showing weakness
3: and maybe my french background is very much like uh, if you ask a question if you show that you don't know that show weaknesses and that's absolutely not the case in Denmark, from my experience anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, you should ask if you don't yeah. know. There's no shame in not knowing. And the working experience of like, you need to show that you know everything all the time. That's not only French, I think. That's very much, I would say, Anglo Saxon way of, of working as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, not knowing stuff is showing weaknesses.
0: Which then ultimately gets us to what is the point of a boss? In Denmark, it's different to elsewhere in the world. Exactly. Yeah. And
3: and and the difference is my experience, even in in working other companies in, in you know again Ireland, France, or whatever, same situation, different mm. role. But uh, somebody coming in and saying, "Okay, I'm going to need like a an auditor with this specialty, specialty." If I ask what's this specialty, the 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 person, the the manager, the hiring manager, looking at me like, "Okay, seriously, I'm wasting my time with you."
0: Yeah. Everyone in the room is just like, "He's he brought this guy in." Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that, that, that must be quite, what's the word? I don't know, let's just say difficult, when you might just keep inside all these, and it might be that five other people in the room are also thinking the same thing. Yes. Right? But nobody says nobody. But nobody and
3: and uh, that's terrible because you start thinking like, okay, I should not show weaknesses. I should not ask questions, right? Yeah. But trust breeds trust. When you start like being, you know what? It's okay. It's okay if I don't know. It's okay to ask. And, yeah. and it, it just you build such a better relationship with people from the start.
1: I think it's really interesting what Nico is mentioning there. And I think that that is exactly what the challenge is when you come in from abroad and have to manage a Danish team, because you would feel very undermined when people start asking questions as to why you say what you say or start uh, arguing uh, your point or your case. And uh, actually they do so in order for us together to be able to create something good out of it.
0: It seems to be like the the reason you might criticise an idea is to the pursuit of truth. So it, it's like you, you're doing this because we all want to get to this. You know, what is the answer? Whereas I, I certainly find, again, maybe it's just a thing that I've had, but if I'm in the UK and somebody gives some quote-unquote constructive criticism, it's like I feel personally attacked. I'm like, okay, the reason you're criticising my idea, that means you think I'm an idiot. And therefore, this sort of fear of being seen as an idiot in the workplace means I don't want to come up and I don't want to sort of be vulnerable and I don't want to say these things which I don't admit that I might be wrong to my colleagues. There's very much this idea of being the person to seem to come up with the ideas and and this idea of like oh my god if I show any weakness I'm going to be seen as the idiot and I'm going to get looked over on the promotion.
1: And actually, the way we see it in Denmark is that we all help each other being our very best, whether you're the boss or the employee. We all try to bring in constructive ideas so that we can together as a team produce the very best.
0: So get this right. This this only works if you trust that everybody's doing their best.
1: Yeah, and they have your best interest at heart. Hmm. So of course, and that's also the difficulty of management, that you need to create a trusting environment where everyone wants to do their best and they want their colleagues to do the best because then together we'll have success and that will help each and every individual in that team. Mm. Yeah, I I think that generally management is about this and it would be that across the world. It's just more intense in Denmark because people are chipping in with their ideas. They're bringing in criticism, which is meant constructively but can feel extremely uncomfortable if you... You know, it, it can hit your confidence if you don't already know that actually it's good enough what you're doing. And it's expected that we ping pong around what is the very best solution.
0: Okay, well, I think this is quite a good point for us to take a little uh, detour away from Denmark and go to Japan. So, Sounds interesting. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, at this point, we'll bring in our third guest, also called Josephine. She and a fellow student worked as architect interns in a remote Japanese island for eight months. And in her words,
4: I I, I would uh, go as far as say that all the meetings that I attended (laughs) during my time in Japan were incredibly challenging for me to to understand how the communication between us and the boss were.
0: One of the instances where she and her colleagues would clash was at lunchtime. Everyone ate together in this big central canteen and then things would get awkward.
4: We would obviously clean up after ourselves and so we would bring the dishes and whatsoever to, um, to the dishwasher and start cleaning but here it was uh, actually a big clash so we would end up more or less dancing around each other trying to help not help and i don't know
0: after a few weeks they were called into the office
4: we had a very very serious meeting uh, after i think three months uh, at the island, our um, uh, what is that in English? You know when oh, you uh, translate translator, our translator. Yeah, <laughs> our translator, <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she called us in for a meeting and uh, she she asked us to sit down and um, she said I'm very sorry about this, but we'll have to go through this list. And she actually booked a meeting, so so we knew in advance that this was something very serious. And um, my colleague and I were pretty sure that they were going to fire us because of some. I, I, I Because of some big deal or something, mm. and we didn't even know what that would be, but but we were pretty uh, sure that this was the end of everything, and we ended up sitting for two hours, and slowly but steady, we understood that this was just a question of us not doing the dishwashers, but this was a huge issue for them, and they were incredibly afraid of um, making us uncomfortable. So this is like a big deal in Japan that mm. uh, avoiding. Un, uh, like words. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: They were in the meeting for two hours. Josephine said that she was confused because the translator, the one giving the meeting, kept talking around the issue but never said it explicitly. It eventually clicked, though, that what Josephine and her friend should do is just leave the dirty dishes on the table once they were finished.
4: I think it was a question of taking their their job. They were afraid that by having us doing the dishes, we would more or less underestimate their position as waiters and waitresses in the cafe and mm. it would make them look lazy i guess something mm. like that so that we should understand that we had a position a specific position mm-hmm. in uh, the office and they had their specific position and we should yeah, keep a clear distance
1: so i think it's really interesting here what uh, my uh, fellow josefina is saying and um I've obviously been based in South Africa for quite a few years. And actually there, we often saw the same happening, Um, particularly when Europeans came to South Africa. uh, They would have a more flat uh, way of acting, meaning that they would feel bad if they did not help the servants. Um, And there were a lot of servants, and these servants were extremely proud of their work. They were professionals within their job. And if people started taking the dishes or trying to help them, for them, it would feel as if they were not doing a good job.
0: It was like undermining. It
1: was undermining. And basically, we made that mistake too, because I felt bad that someone was cleaning my house for me. And actually, I was very uncomfortable with having a servant. Um, the house that we moved into, uh, which was uh, a corporate let, was basically, it came with servants. And first, we actually discussed, my husband and I, how, whether we could just get rid of them because we'd rather them just clean up after ourselves. And we also thought, well, our children had to learn that they make their own bed and so on. But then it turned out that if we let go of this servant, it would mean that she had nowhere to live. It would mean she didn't have a job. It would mean that her son couldn't go to the school he Mm. was going to. So, of course, we decided to keep them on when we realized that that's actually the impact we would have if we didn't stay there. And um, it... Then took a while for us to get used to the fact that actually the lady working there, you would normally call them a housekeeper maybe, but the housekeeper working there was extremely proud of what she was doing for our family. And uh, she was also really happy doing the dishes and doing the cleaning. And if I tried to chip in with any ideas, that was a way of undermining her. And I actually tried to pass that knowledge on to other Europeans coming to to South Africa who were trying to uh, to either give them less to do or basically trying to take over their job by by saying, no, 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 I can do that part. You do that by sort of mm. di- dividing and conquering together, because that's just not the way that society works.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's carbon copy in Kenya. same Same thing. And when I then moved back to Denmark, I'd forgotten how to use a washing machine. So I had to like suddenly do my own laundry for the first time in three years. That Um, was tough. Yeah, I was like, how does this thing work? (laughs) It does have its its flip sides on it.
1: Another thing that I experienced in South Africa was that obviously people, because they took pride in having a job, there's a lot of unemployment there. And then having a kind of uniform that shows Mm. that you have this role um, was kind of important. And so that means that the nannies and housekeepers, um, servants and so on, they would also have uh, uniforms. And that felt very wrong to a Dane to put Mm. a uniform on someone uh, who was just looking after my house. And I actually kept saying, hey, I'll just buy you some new outfits that are comfortable to clean in Mm. and then you can wear those. And, um, you know, that would be much nicer for you because I felt that in a way that having this uniform on made this person look like something less than me or at least they should service me.
0: Well, it certainly would have led to a distinction between you. And I, I think a big thing in Denmark is, you know, we said at the beginning, everyone dresses very casually. This idea that fundamentally people are the same, we're just people, so therefore we should dress the same. And exactly, then having this thing does make that that difference. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. We are all equals basically, mm. and that's extremely important to Denmark, um, even, and I think most Europeans, but even Denmark more than anywhere else. So it felt wrong that she should wear this uniform. Um, that, like
0: clearly marks her out. That
1: clearly yeah. marks that she is servicing me and mm. my family. But then it turned out that when I was trying to take her shopping to go get other things, she really wanted the real uniform that all the other nannies had because they felt proud of their job. They were proud going into the streets, shopping, um, taking their bus and so on, wearing this uniform mm. because that showed that they had a job and that they were working hard to make a living and earn money for their family there was a lot of prestige in this uniform mm. and so you know what does that what do we learn from that we learn that we should be more open minded and not bring too much of our own culture to new places and it's mm. difficult but we it, it takes time and i think we need to be very humble when we arrive in a new place mm.
0: Back in Denmark, it feels like we have a decent sense of what Danish management is and looks like. If you're Danish or have been here for many years, then you might find yourself saying, well, yeah, obviously things like a flat hierarchy are great and it would be awkward if we didn't offer to clear up the dishes together. However, coming into Denmark with a different cultural framework, it can actually feel a bit disorientating. Um, first, we'll look at things from the employee perspective.
3: It's the, the framework, the the, the freedom, the, the trust and everything, the like you what do you mean you're not telling me what to do? What do you mean there's no hardcore KPIs on like where do I need to be at the end of the month and everything? Mm. What do you mean you're giving, asking me an opinion? I'm not supposed to have an opinion. I'm supposed
0: to just do what I'm told. And, and that, that's a turnoff for a lot of people.
3: Yes, I think some people are not capable of working outside of this framework, no. as simple as this. Okay. And, and I'm not saying there's right or wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just, uh,
3: yeah. I, I, I mean, I've seen this in a lot of organizations. Yeah.
0: How, how do they, sorry, how, oh. how, how are people, how are those people interpreting what's going on? As in, are they like okay? Well, I'm coming here and I'm just not getting support or direction.
3: No, you. I think they're like there's no uh, there's no strong leadership. There's no direction. There's no. Uh, it's not strong, you know. It's not. Yeah. I, I feel we're weak. It's not the the red way of of management. You know, the what works in the army, what works in, the, in those kind of uh, yeah, societies, yeah. right? It's not here. Here, it's very much like uh, it works on trust. But that means you need to be able to trust yourself.
0: This idea of weak leadership, I found this point fascinating that Nico said, because. It's all well and good saying, as you say, it's good to be trusted. It's good to be trusted, but until he said that, he didn't really click what it can look like from the other side. Which is, if you're going to your boss and you're saying, "Cool, right, boss, what are we doing?" The boss like, well, "I don't know." Well, you know, let, let's have a chat. And you're like, "Who is this guy? Like, who is this girl? Who, who who is this person? Like, what's the point of them being here if they're not even gonna tell us what to do or get things going?" And I can I can see that being quite a a struggle for people
1: and if you turn that around basically as a boss i would think that if i'm saying well how should we do this and if you did not have an opinion or an idea that you could chip in with i would be like why are you on my team mm. obviously you don't have anything to bring to the table so you shouldn't be here i expect something from each individual mm-hmm. but of course it's difficult because it's about management style but that was now bringing me back to to England, where I would sit there chipping in with ideas while the senior people would probably thinking, goodness, I mean, she's junior. Why the heck is she sitting here bringing in her ideas? She's just supposed to listen and then go and act accordingly. Yeah, and just
0: do what she does, she's told. <laughs>
1: exactly. So they probably thought that, whereas I thought, well, I'm at the meeting, so I'm chipping in with ideas. And why are my colleagues sitting here around me saying nothing? They're wasting our time. They should be out there working if they have nothing to add to this meeting. But basically, um, just coming back to that, uh, you know, I think that's, it's still difficult for me to understand how people can sit and be quiet if they have something to add to a meeting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I was thinking about this a bit. And I don't know, I think if you sort of feel quite confident in the idea, and you, you feel it's going to make you look good, then you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put my hand up and I'd say, oh, you know, we thought about doing this cool, innovative idea. But if it's sort of, gosh, I actually don't really feel 100% comfortable in doing this task, then I'd much rather just Google it and spend a couple of hours trying, to or maybe talk to my colleagues on my same level to try and figure out what it is. So that when I go to the boss, the only th- the only impression they're getting from me is positive things. Oh, Sam's been able to sort this out. Sam can like get stuff get stuff done.
1: So you can be a self starter and you can do stuff, but you'd be much more careful with yeah, rating your exactly. I I, hand. I, wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't then because I've I've had experiences where I've gone to the boss and I've sort of said, okay, well you know, I'm trying to like, I don't know, do this Excel formula or something, or I'm trying to, you know, build this report. And there's, yeah, and he or she would say, okay, well, I mean, yeah, I'll, t- I'll show you what it is. Or like, why are you asking me this? I told you this last week. Or isn't it obvious? Or again, maybe I'm not being completely fair with fair with them. But but this idea of if I show weakness, the managers then got this doubt of like, mm, actually, maybe Sam's not that competent. Okay, we've got this p- promotion coming up. Maybe we should put it over to someone else. And I think this this idea of, I'm not 100% sure how to do my job, but I won't go to my boss, is like something which is really quite deeply ingrained in me. And so coming to Denmark, um, admittedly I don't have a boss here, but you know, talking to people who have got, talking to non-Danes who have bosses, this can feel really sh- like vulnerable to sort of go to your boss and say, I'm not really sure about how to do this, or what do you think about this, or whatever. And what everything that I've heard you and other people say is people yeah bosses want that because it shows you're committed it shows you're vested in this thing and so I think the the main takeaway for me is sort of if you're coming in as a non-dane just perhaps have that leap of faith that the more you engage with your boss and the more you perhaps show what you're unsure about um is actually not gonna lead to
1: to so you looking weak yeah exactly totally yeah. I, I think yeah. that's exactly the way and I think that also uh danish managers and leaders can learn a lot from listening to this because actually they might take for granted that people come in and if they have a challenge they will ask questions and they will say i'm mm. struggling here but they might not because you know they're worried about their job and they think that it will show weakness or they will seem un- incompetent
0: mm. um that's really i mean for me at least that was it don't not do not want to seem incompetent by raising this thing which i yeah which i don't know yeah
1: and and that's exactly I think every manager's fear that people don't say if they have a problem because if then you can't solve it you can't fix something you can't you don't know is there, mm-hmm. and and you know you can maybe see people are struggling but they don't say anything then you think oh my goodness I mean that's exactly when you're not sure about your employee yeah. uh, or your team member. Um, I, I what I've actually experienced myself um, in terms of trying to manage a multicultural team is giving the different team members projects um, and then seeing how they chip in through that instead of only through uh, pitching things at meetings and discussing at meetings. So, for example, um, by saying, hey, we have this project, Um, why don't you make a presentation and a proposal as to how we can do it? And there I've uh, often been very surprised at how non-Danes really shown because they done an amazing presentation, they were able to do things I didn't know they were able to do, but they'd obviously felt too junior mm-hmm. to mention that they had these skills and maybe they even felt uncomfortable um, showing those skills off because they felt maybe I would feel undermined as a leader because I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason why I'd brought them in was that they knew to do things that I didn't know how I'm to good.
0: do. I've got to say, I can't, for the life of me say, I did, in doing research in this episode, Uh, I found this study which said, do you think the boss should know how to do the job of the employees? Like in terms of the tasks that the employees have to do, should the boss be able to do them? Guess what percentage of people said yes in, I think, Italy is, guess what percentage of people said yes, the manager should be able to do the tasks of the people they manage?
1: Yeah. So basically the idea that the manager should be the very best at the task, that's why they're managing you. 90%, I'd say, in Italy. I I think
0: it was like 60%. It was very high. What do you think it was in Denmark?
1: um 10
0: yeah seven percent yeah and i totally feel it w- w- a lot of the bosses i had was like i don't know how to build this excel report or i don't know how to do this and i go to the boss and I'm like, oh yeah cool this is how you do it and you sort of have this almost i don't know
1: you look up to the boss. F- familial yeah.
0: thing of like the, this is the boss and this mm. i'm here to learn from the boss and they mm. they've got all this this worldly experience and i'm getting skills directly from them um and so that, that was kind of the, the the mindset i had and then coming here and you hear people say well i don't know how to do it you tell me
1: yeah, you feel very disappointed <laughs> yeah. coming here yeah. because you come here thinking that the boss is a great person who knows it all, yeah. and you can learn from them. But actually, they've hired you because you had that skill. Yeah. So you have to chip in with your knowledge in that team.
0: We'll, we'll talk a bit now about non-Danish managers' struggle. I mean, you, we've spoken about it quite a lot, actually. I'll play this one clip from Chris
2: in mean, as, a, as a as a manager or have staff responsibilities, that can always be, be, be a challenge. You know, I was expected, as I, when I first came, first staff responsibilities, I expected, I, you know, I was the boss. I expected people to listen to what I said, but it didn't work like that. You know, I mean, I mean it basically, so it's kind of like hurting cats in a way. Um, but I would say that, you know, I would say, okay, we're going to do this. And then they just look like, why? Well, I said, because we're going to do this. And they said, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You know, and then people start discussing. And, you know, at the end, again, they know I'm the boss and Hmm. the boss is the boss and makes the decision. But people expect to be
0: heard. Both of these interviews, the the things which people struggled with was people asking why the whole time. And I think a big thing that often Nico was saying, particularly for tech startup people, is that they're very used to coming in and saying, right, phoom, I'm the boss, you know, I've got a plan, we're going to execute on the plan. You want to do part A, part B, part C, go, go, go. And people just going back and saying, why? No, we don't need to do that. Can't we do this? Can't we do this? And they, and a lot of people just struggle because they're like, how do I work when just people won't just, not quite follow the orders, but like, I've come in, I've got this expertise, I know how to build a product, let's do it.
3: In tech or product, their framework is very much like they they would come in because obviously they good skills and working for very good organization. And and they come in and absolutely not ready to work in that framework of like what do you mean what do you mean my employees are supposed to have an opinion? What do you mean I'm, I'm supposed to explain what we have to do? Or if I want everyone engaged, I need to, you know, just yeah. that's the frame, that, that's our goal and how we're going to do it for the next six months. I, what do you mean I just don't tell people
1: what to do? And that's where leadership comes in because you can't just be the boss telling people what they have to do in Denmark. You have to have the why and you have to be able to be persu- persuasive. Mm. You almost have to pitch every idea and say, this is the idea why we're doing it, any questions. And then people say, why are we doing it this way? Could we not do it that way? And then you basically need to be able to have the debate, but also to be able to say, this is why, and be persuasive enough for them to then go for it. Because if they don't buy in to the reason why you're doing it, then they won't do well with it, exactly. as Danes, because Danish people, they want to have a reason to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's only by saying, okay, I get the point. So you have to get the point. You have to understand the idea. So as a as a leader, you have to be a visionary here, and you have to be able to uh, put your vision across persuasively.
0: Mm. I think mean, a lot of people just find it's a waste of time. is you know, thing They're like, oh, why do I need to? Why do I need to? You know, paint a picture of the world. Like I've come here to do a job. Just do the job. Like we could go much faster,
3: especially because speed. again, I'm talking startups. Right, that's my yeah. experience. So it's It's all about speed. And like how can how we supposed to go as fast as this? If I'm supposed to uh, try to engage uh, everyone and align with everyone on the conversation,
1: but that's not the way yeah. the Danes work. They I mean, want to know why, and they they believe that they have valuable hmm. insights to bring to the table. And so, even if you don't use insights, yeah, you you should hear people as a manager. Otherwise, people will not thrive in your team.
0: And this idea of people are sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have these disagreements, but we at least need to agree that we're going in this one particular direction.
1: And you can have that as soon as everyone has been heard and that you've had the debate. Yeah. So the debate, we can't live without in Denmark. So basically, any foreigner who comes here, um, they need to be ready for that. Yeah. Just as well as any uh, manager who goes abroad from Denmark, they need to understand that they have to set the direction and they have to basically give everybody... Um, the knowledge they need in order to execute on the idea without expecting them to chip in very much.
0: Despite this, both Chris and Nico, the outsiders coming in, are fully on board with the Danish slash Nordic style of management.
1: Chris's whole book that you can actually read about on the What the Denmark website is advocating that the Viking style of leadership is not only a good thing now, but increasingly in the future. It's a methodology that organisations around the world, they will need to start adopting.
0: The central thesis is that the world is changing at an accelerating pace. It's crazy to think that one person or a select group of people can hold all of the answers And therefore, we need to build management structures and cultures that incorporate and truly get input from the many. The question some of you might be thinking is, well, that's all well and good coming from happy little Denmark, where there's generations of people who trust each other by default. But what can I do if I want a bit of this Viking management style in my organisation? Despair not, says Chris it is totally possible to import this style for yourself. And
2: and I think if you're in a position in an organization where you can influence that culture and mindset, it can be implemented. Mm. It is without question transferable. It is Mm. exportable. Who doesn't want to be trusted? Who doesn't want to be listened to? Who doesn't want to be respected? Of course, you have to make adjustments for, you know, different cultures and to in, in 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 this year, in, you know, internationalizing any organization or company, you always have to make considerations to the culture that you grew up in. But those basic characteristics on on leadership and in in humanity are are universal.
1: So practically speaking, you create a subculture for your team and decide the rules. I've even heard of some teams, especially international or cross-cultural ones, that go so far as having a written constitution where everyone agrees to how they'll work together.
0: For example, when we give feedback, it's about the idea and not the person. If feedback sounds negative, it's because we want to challenge and develop it, not make the other person look stupid. And before making a big decision, we will make sure that everyone understands the why. This last one brings in Nico's favorite phrase.
3: Like the, I like that sentence. We don't need to agree, we need to align. The mm. idea is to align, right? And, and to explain why uh, suggestion A is what we're gonna go for.
1: Making sure people are heard not only increases the input and insight you get in the business, but it means people feel more bought in.
0: Whilst it may seem long-winded in the short run, having a team who are aligned on what to do and feel comfortable speaking openly about their concerns will surely lead to a better outcome, or at least that's the view of Nico and Chris. So what have we learned? Yes, each person and manager is their own individual unique snowflake, but there are cultural differences in the Nordic or Viking style of leadership to other parts of the world. Having trust that your colleagues have your best interests is the foundation of this style, which fosters an environment where everyone can contribute ideas and reach the optimal outcome, as opposed to a top-down approach.
1: If you're a Dane working in an organization with a new non-Dane, perhaps make the effort to over-communicate. Something as obvious as, well, if he she isn't sure about something, then they'll ask might not be the case if coming from a culture where admitting you don't know something is a sign of weakness.
0: And if you're a non-Dane, try and tell yourself when someone gives you constructive feedback, they are probably just trying to develop the idea rather than make you out to be an idiot. Easier said than done.
1: As always, if you have any feedback on the show or would like to share some ideas of your own, please contribute to our Facebook group by searching for What the Denmark? You can also read extensive notes, including links that we mentioned, on whatthedenmark.com.
0: A big thanks to our guests and everyone who helped in the show. Vi gång. Thanks to everyone who has helped in the creation of the episode, including David Dollyak, Guki Kunishevali, Reke Campbell, Andreas Pulston, Kevin Mose, and Tevin Sudi.
1: We hope you enjoyed the show. We're still early in our journey of resolving cultural confusion in Denmark and would love for you to join us by subscribing to the show on your podcast app. If you like this episode, please consider telling a friend about it. And you can also head over to www.whatthedenmark.com to receive our newsletter. Thanks for listening. I'm Josephine Volkwarts
0: And I'm Sam Floyd. Can you do that one again with more laydown? Vi snakkes næste gang.
1: Okay. It gets okay. Really quick. Okay, sure. Vi snakkes næste gang. Vi snakkes næste gang.
0: Vi snakkes næste gang.
1: Vi snakkes gang. Yeah. Go. Cool, okay.